0: Statement. Um, usually it happens from whoever's leading worship, and it says something like, Hey, we're just a bunch of messed up people. And if you're messed up, you're in a good place. And we're not perfect, but we serve a perfect God, and we've come to worship a perfect God. Has anybody ever paid attention to the fact that that is said every single Sunday? Full transparency I did, did not like that statement. When we started saying that statement, I had trouble with it because I thought, why are we claiming something different than our identity in Christ? I just thought, man, we're making this statement about that we're messed up, screwed up, you know, sinful people, but we've been set free because of Jesus. And so I, I struggled with that that statement that we said it week in and week out. And I got to the point where I almost was going to ask the worship team, stop saying that statement. Make a different claim, because our identity is not founded in what we do and where we mess up, but our, our identity is found as children of God. And before I had a chance to ask them to stop saying that, I had two different people come to me in different types of settings, and say, you know, I'm really glad that you guys say that on Sunday mornings because it allows me to be messed up and still come to church. And they and they and then I tease that out. Explain to me what you're talking about. And and honestly, they said that you know, in their messed up life, because we're all messed up. They struggled to go to church because everybody appeared to have all their stuff together. And they didn't feel like that they can sit and worship in service in their messed up state because of how perfect everybody else was who went to church. And when two different times, like in a short span, that was that was communicated to me very clearly. And I said, We will continue to say this statement. Because while we, our identity is in Christ, we still mess up in life. We still trip up. We still have this, this battle going on within us, this tension of living as righteous people because of our right, righteousness through Christ and still having some flesh attached that allows us to do things or we choose to do things that we really don't want to do. And, and I realize that for some people, we just need to show that God's gracious that in our our depth of our junk, we still are looked as pure children to him. We still are made righteous in his sight. We still can approach his throne and call him Abba Father. And so that's why we make that statement. I thought that we're going to continue to say that because it gives people hope. So last week what we did is we asked this question, and the question was, how do we live righteous lives? And... Um, the question is, meaning, how can I stand and be in right standing with God when I'm still messed up, when I still have sin in my life, when I still do the things maybe I don't want to do? How can I live a righteous life, life? If you were here, you remember, we talked about that we were slaves to sin. Because of Jesus, we were made free, and, then, and now we're slaves to righteousness. Do you remember that, that that was kind of the three points? And, the, and the, the question, the challenge for everybody was to go home and for you to explore what it means to live a righteous life. And so I, I came up with two answers to the question, how do you live a righteous life? I thought of two answers. I'm not saying that they're, they're um, the absolute answers. I'm saying these are the answers I came up with. For me, if I'm going to live a righteous life, this is how my life should look. And so I just want to share those answers, and maybe you'll agree with me. Maybe you came up with other answers, and then they tie together. But um, we're going to continue in Romans chapter 6. And, and, and the, first, the first answer that I came up with is that we live under grace. Okay, and, and here's where I find this in Romans 6.14. It says this. It says, sin, no longer, um, sin, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And so, in this verse, there's two options for us to live. The first is that we can live under the requirements of the law. When they're talking about the law here, they're talking about the Old Testament covenant. They're talking about the law that we'd find in Genesis through Malachi. Malachi, is that correct? Is Malachi the end of the Old Testament? Thank you. Um, and here's what the law was given for. The law was given to reveal the holy character of God to Israel. The law was given to set Israel apart as God's people. It was given to reveal the sinfulness of man. And ultimately, I believe the law was given to cause people to see that they cannot do enough good and follow enough rules to earn their salvation. Unfortunately for Israel, what they did is they took the law and and they became requirements to live by in order to be righteous in God's sight at some point they had some 613 rules to follow does anybody ever watch the movie fiddler on the roof or been to the play one of my favorites joe and i watched it just this week do you, if you one of the characters is the rabbi the rabbi whenever something special was going on they would say rabbi give a blessing and he would make up a blessing do you guys remember this like he would just come up with some blessing i'm i'm sure there's a blessing for this i almost picture that in 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 old testament times there was rabbis and and Pharisees that just came up with laws to fit whatever they wanted the law to fit. So they just kept stacking and adding and stacking and adding. And the truth was is that following the requirements of the law only pointed out that you can't live righteously, that you cannot live in right standing with God. And unfortunately, here's what I feel like. I feel like we fall prey to that same kind of mindset that we enjoy, just tell me what to do and how to do it, and I'll follow it, and then I'll be in good standing. And then we take that and we equate that with our relationship with God. You remember when you were a kid? Maybe you don't, but when you are a baby, I think the number one word you heard as a child, and if you're a parent, the number one word you have spoken to your children is no. We just say no. No, 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 no. Then you go to kindergarten and what happens? Your teacher gives you a a paper and it has this beautiful outline picture and you get a box of crayons and they say, color the picture. Stay within the lines. Do you remember that? I was a terrible, terrible colorer. There was this girl named Erica in my class. We went from kindergarten through high school. She was valedictorian of our school. That girl can shade. She can color and make the picture look alive. Like she blended crayons to where, you know, she could change colors by using two different colors? Like blue and yellow. If my green was snapped in the box, I just didn't have green. I was heavy handed. Like every one of my crayons was broken. I, you know, pushed real hard. Everything was dark shaded because I just pushed. I was a terrible colorer. Colorer. I came out of the line sometimes. If we stay within the lines, in our society, we get a pat on the back and a pat on the head and say, good job, you're doing well. When we color outside the lines, we have trouble, don't we? And this is what we're taught. We're taught to stay within the lines. And I'm not saying rules and societal rules aren't good, but I'm saying that when we translate that to our relationship with God, then we start to live under the requirements of the law. When we think that my relationship is good with God because I didn't cuss this week, because I didn't drink this week, how many of you guys have already failed? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Which one, James? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) My relationship with God is good because I showed up every Sunday last month for church because I put money in the basket, because I wore a certain style of clothes, this was what makes my relationship good because I have this outward appearance and I followed all the rules set before me and that makes me righteous with God. And in the same ways, this is what Jesus was dealing with when he was walking and we read in the, in the Gospels and he's dealing with the Pharisees is that everything was an outward appearance. Everything was a do's and don'ts and a rules because of the, the, the laws, the requirements of fulfilling the laws and that was what they thought made them righteous people. And we can read that that's not the case. Romans 3.20 says, No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So the answer, first answer is for us to live under the freedom of grace. Titus 2.11 says this, For grace For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward to the hope, to that wonderful day when the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Jesus Christ kept the law perfectly. And those who believe in him are born again into a new life, into his life. The righteousness of Christ is imparted to all who believe. And the Holy Spirit lives permanently in their hearts. That's the answer. That we come to Jesus because of his righteousness, because of his perfection. We are made right in the eyes of God. Galatians 2 says this. Yet you know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we are made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Do you get what, what, what is being said there? It's not about obeying the law. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not about rights and wrongs. It's because of Jesus that we are, li- are made righteous in God's sight. Living under grace happens because of Jesus. Here's what Paul warns, though. Paul warns that because we're living under grace, because God's grace covers us when we mess up, that that's not a free ticket to just go on and keep doing life however we want. You know, in Romans, what is it, 6.1, it says, should we keep on sinning so that grace can keep coming our way? And he says, by no means, by no means. And so that leads me into the second way that I I think we can live righteous lives, and that's that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so we find that verse in Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says this, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Another, another translation will say something like, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but live, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's what, here's what I, I see in chapters 1 of 11, one through 11 of Romans is, is that Paul is writing about this great doctrine regarding the gospel of God's righteousness that is That is through Jesus Christ. He's telling us we are made right because of Jesus Christ. In chapter 12, here's what we see. We see this shift, and it it, it is a shift that says, because you were made right from Jesus, you're made righteous in God's eyes because of Jesus Christ, and the shift goes, now this is how you walk it out. This is how we live it as followers of Jesus. This is how we do life. And we shift from thinking and acting like the world, to thinking and being like Christ. And it's, it's a mental shift. It's, it's a transformation of our, of our thinking. It's not a transformation from a list of do's and don'ts of the flesh to a list of do's and don'ts of the law. This is, it's not, we're not transforming to a set of rules. We're transforming to completely thinking from our world and what our world teaches to completely setting our mind and our things on the kingdom of God. And it's by understanding and knowing God's truth that this happens. So here's how we do this. We do this by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. When you received God's grace through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came in to dwell in you. The Holy Spirit is there to do an inside-out work in you and to wash out all the junk that, that you carried in with you when you were born into this world and to sin. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the truth of Jesus Christ. We do this through the word of God. We allow the Holy Spirit to work on the inside and break down the hardness of our hearts that blinds and corrupts our mind. And when this happens, we reflect God. Look at lengthy scripture I just want us to read, and it just kind of lays it out in 2 Corinthians. Starting in verse 7, it says, The the old way with law etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. So you get this picture. Moses comes down from the mountain after receiving the law, and it's etched in stone, and, he, and he's, he's been in the presence of God, so he's glowing. But even though he's come down the mountain and the, the glow is fading away, they still can't look at it because it's been it's so great of what's taken place. Verse 8 says, Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared to the overwhelming glory of the new way. So, if your old way, which was replaced with, was which was has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which remains forever? And then drop down to verse seventeen. It says, "This for the Lord is the Spirit." And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all who have, had, who, who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we change into His glorious image. That's a good reading, I think. A renewed mind, a renewed mind reflects the glory of God. This takes place in our lives through d- discipline, and through spiritual formation. We can live... I feel like we can live our lives knowing we're saved and never completely have a transformation of our mind to where people know that we're saved. You ever met somebody that's saved and you find out they're saved and you're like, I would have never guessed that. (laughs) But have you ever met somebody that you don't know anything about them and you're like, I bet you that guy knows Jesus. Yes. I bet you that girl knows Jesus. Why? Cuz they're reflecting the glory of God. That's a person that's having a renewed mind, whose their minds being transformed into God's image. Here's what I laid out last week that last week and this week are are kind of introductions to 2019. They're 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 what where I believe god 's calling us as branches to go and and ultimately what I believe god 's called us to do is to really really look at and to cha- be challenged on are we making disciples are, are we are we seeing people come to Jesus and are we walking with them in their walk towards the cross to where they're 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 being transformed into images of jesus that's that 's what I feel like god's said Tom in two thousand and nineteen that 's what Branches needs to press into. With that came a couple of questions. And the question was, if I'm going to make a disciple, I first need to be a disciple. And then so I started asking myself, am I a disciple of Christ? Like, I, I'm saved. I, I preach. I come to church every Sunday because I have to. You don't have to, but I have to be here. That doesn't make me a disciple. It it just doesn't. And so then I started to question, what, what in my life would... Would reflect being a disciple of God, and and I, I realize that there's there's formation, there's disciplines in my life that I do in in my closet, if you will, or or privately, that give me the ballast to be able to do God's work in the world. And so, so what I if what I want to press into for 2019 is how do we renew our minds, or are transformed by the renew of our mind? And the way I see that taking place is what takes place inside with my relationship and my intimacy towards the Father. At Branches, we have this, this mission statement that says, we love God, we love others, we make disciples. It's on your green card, it's on most everything we print, and it's, it's a nice saying, right? But we really believe that. And, and from day one, we've always said, we're going to hang our hat on that, that's going to be our mantle, that's going to be the flag we're waving, we love God, we love others, we make disciples. It starts with loving God. When we have that intimate, deep relationship with the Father, when we understand our identity with him, when we are glorifying him through our lives, then it fully spills out to allow us to truly love others the way we love ourselves. And then our heart's desire is to move on and to make disciples. And so the way we do that is through the righteousness we receive through Jesus, living under grace, not living under the law. Some of us need to strip away some law. Some of us need to clear ourselves of some rules and some requirements that we think draws us closer to Jesus and understand that it's nothing we've done. It's his grace that brings us into righteousness. And then some of us need to, I think all of us need to, step into a level of letting ourselves... Stop thinking the way the world thinks. Start thinking kingdom-minded stuff and move into that. So this is a challenge I'm going to give to us early January. Like, will you go on this journey with me? And it's a journey I'm going, to, I'm going to take on personally, and we're just going to, as a church, roll with it. I want to promise you that if you say yes to going on the journey, that you will find your life change. I will promise that if you go on it, you'll find your intimacy with Jesus increase. I promise that you will find that some of the stuff that you think you have to do to be right with God, you can, you can throw those things away. And I, and, I, and I believe that what will take place is that you will have a heart and you will start to see people drawn to you that want to know why are you different. Why is, why is your life different even though storms are brewing? Okay, so would you stand with me? And I want to give us two things to take home for this week. Next week, we go into Thanksgiving. If you look on the green card, we have a sharing time. If God's done something in your life this year, if there's something exciting that you... We, we want to hear about that. Whatever, it's ta- whatever it is in your life, we want to give you the opportunity to share that. But here's the two things that I just take home that, of the answers of how do we live righteous lives. First, we live under grace. Know that you, you are righteous because of your faith in Jesus. Because you said yes to Jesus, because you gave your life to Jesus, you were made righteous in God's sight. Second, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and simply set your mind on Christ. Just start asking God to wash out and clear out the things in your head that, that are worldly and fill you with things that are of his kingdom. We do this by allowing the Holy Spirit to do work in our life. We do this by, by submitting the control of our life to the Holy Spirit in us. And we, and we do this by saying, Holy Spirit, you have full control of my life. Use me and spend me as you will. I want to be used for your kingdom. When we live our lives that way, we glorify the Father. We'll leave it at that. Here's how this, this service wraps up for us. We, we finish with a song of worship, and then we're dismissed. We always leave time up here for for just a space that if you need to connect with God. And so as we're dismissed, if you're if you're here and you've carried in some baggage that you don't feel like carrying around or carrying out the door, stay. As as everybody is dismissed, just hang out. There'll be people standing up here and if you you could either sit in your seat and just continue to worship or we'd invite you to come forward and just connect with one of the persons standing here and just say, hey, will you ask God, will you pray with me, or ask God to join in my situation? And, and we believe that when we do that, God meets us where we're at and God begins to work in our life and God begins to, to um, encourage us and, and clear out the junk that we're carrying in. So don't let this time just end with worship if you're, if you're hanging on to something that, that you don't need to be hanging on to. Like Mara said when we started flip your hands over before you leave this this room okay and you could do that by receiving some prayer so pray with me so father we we just love you lord god um just as we sung about today everything you are is love your love is is poured out on us god and and we receive that lord i i pray that through our worship and just are coming together as your children. You've been glorified today, Lord. I pray for the person today that is just struggling. Whatever it is, holidays are coming and those bring up past pains. Finances are, are, are rough. Relationships stink right now. God, I don't know where where I'm going to pay that next bill. God, I don't know. I don't know what today's going to bring. Would you just um, encourage that person right now that they don't have to leave? Carrying that by themselves. Lord, would you just just begin to work in the hearts, Lord, of the people right now that just need a special touch from you. God, we, we will be faithful to to uh, just love people as they come forward. And God, I, I just, I pray that you are blessed today. We love you, Lord. God, would you continue to work in our lives? Would you continue to give us direction? God, would you continue to bring people across our path, and the radius of our personal lives that we can reflect your glory, that we can share your love with. Would you be real? Would your name be made known and be famous here in Warsaw because of what you've called us to do and because of our faithfulness and love to you? Amen.